2: No more sleeps. It's finally here. Team Wonky review the
0: review of post-18 education and funding. It's all coming up. I mean, the, the you know the immediate response from 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 universities is it will be focused on um, sort of financial penalty of Augur and about the impact on, on teaching, learning and research. Um, and the auger review is quite clear that uh, it, it uh, the panel has kind of accepted the uh, latest report of the OFS on the financial uh, health of the sector. But you could...
2: To The Wonky Show, your direct way into higher education, policy people, and politics. I'm Rachel Firth, and I come with the news that finally the review of post 18 education and funding has been published. Weighing in at 216 pages, the Augur review, as it's known by its friends, has landed. And if you haven't carved out the time to read it as yet, don't you worry, we have. And in this episode, we're going to take you through the highlights, the talking points, and the key policy recommendations. As this is a special episode, our three guests this week are all from Team Wonky, forming the Destiny's Child of HE policy, if you will. So around the Wonky campfire, we have editor Debbie McVitty. Debbie, what was your favourite page of the review?
0: Well, I know that there will be lots in the review that people want to question and challenge and debate, but I think we can probably all agree that the page where, that set out the uh, purposes of the post-compulsory education sector um, and rolled in both further and higher education into that, and um, talking about... The civic mission, the uh, mission to research and, and innovate and produce scholarship and to help people achieve their ambitions, um, is is a really great aspect
2: of the review. We also have associate editor David kernahan or DK as we call him. DK, what was your favourite page in the review?
1: um I would have to say page seventy-four, uh, figure three point seven. It is nice to see uh, subject facts and tracty getting some attention at last. It's one of those tables that you initially look at and think wow this is really good information but then when you uh, dig into it and you recall that the uh, definitions of the uh, uh, subject uh, groupings for facts were changed in 2012 and the data is actually uh, from tw- from 2016-17 uh, 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 and that all of the subjects are in fact mainly sorted by their old hefky, uh, uh price group, it doesn't actually really tell you anything.
2: And finally, we have Wonky's founder and editor-in-chief, Mark Leach. Mark, what was your favourite page of the review?
3: Hi, Rachel. Well, um, last night I had a surreal encounter with um, an official, a very senior official from the Department for Education, who called me about five minutes um, after sending the the Augur report uh, to, to, get, to get my... Um, to get my view and, and ask, I guess, what, you know, what the sort of tone of our coverage will be and is there any questions that we had. Um, but as it's been mentioned, this, you know, this, this mammoth document um, was was just coming up on our screens, 216 pages, loads and loads of data. Uh, and um, I was still reading it. I think I was on, I was still on the introduction section when uh, when asked about it. So I didn't have a lot of, lot of detailed questions. Uh, and so she asked me what I thought of the um, the front cover um, and the design, and the fonts and the layout, um, which, as um, readers of Wonky may have picked up, is something that I do actually have a lot of uh, a lot of views about and commented on in the past. Um, but she was obviously feeling that um, the front cover, I guess, was was a bit ugly or Spartan. I'm, I'm not quite sure what. But I compared it favourably to previous government government reports. Um, so the, the the type setting, I think, and the overall report um, is is pretty clear and easy to easy to read. But the front cover, in particular. Um, avoids the problem uh fallen and the the trap fallen into by uh similar similar things like the white paper uh with a stock image that can end up having kind of weird uh kind of a weird origin that doesn't really make sense so the white paper um a a while back now had a had a student that uh, when you reverse the image search was from some kind of canadian college um it, it, it was kind of hard to understand why that was on the cover so having avoided that kind of pitfall i'd said well you know, it's fairly smart. It does what it do- does. You know, it does what it says, uh, and doesn't get you into any uh, political hot water. So, congratulations, <laughs> which
0: hopefully may be true of the whole rest of the review. So around about 600 years ago, in
2: February 2018, Mrs May took to the floor at Derby College to announce a review into post-18 education funding. Expected report in the autumn last year, the report has very much been the victim of turbulent political times being pushed back until convenient to release. In the interim, we've had leak after leak after leak about the contents of the report, but now it has finally landed.
3: Mark, was this what we expected? Well... I think yes and no is, is the short answer. The long answer, um, let's 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 get into um, a couple of things to say. It's um, the, the report is a, is an advisory panel report, uh, as you say, commissioned by Theresa May for government review on post eighteen education. And the government have confirmed to us over the last couple of days that this review is ongoing. So this it, the review doesn't conclude with the publication of, the, of, of Philip Auger's review. Uh, Philip Auger's review is, is is a kind of advisory report um to the wider government review which now carries on um and will probably culminate in the spending review so um that's i just wanted to uh to kind of to frame what we say around uh, around that this is this is a kind of moving target for the next several months at least in terms of the content um we it was widely expected that a cut to tuition fees would be recommended um and it does to so 7.5k um it, to, it rebalances that or recommends the government should rebalance that with um, teaching grant um, targeted particularly at uh, subjects with good graduate outcomes and that um, have uh, of high quality and, and other things. So, um, it it also recommends the kind of the fr- the 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 freeze of tuition fees remain. So it does represent, over 5 years in under its own analysis about 11% um cuts to uh, universities or, or they would they would describe that as an efficiency um which is obviously uh, problematic for universities but not pushing over the cliff edge kind of level and i think most universities have have kind of largely modeled for that. Um it situates universities very much as part of a post 18 education tertiary system um, uh, with FE and HE serving different functions but coming together at key points and for me it's it's one of the most interesting aspects in the previous government reviews that have touched on HE have, have have been just so focused on things like tuition fees in isolation. And what's great about Augur actually is it really situates the question about how much university should cost to students and the taxpayers in the context of how much our whole education system should cost both to deliver uh, and for the students that study there and graduates that pay back. It's that kind of holistic view that I think makes this report so much more robust uh, than its predecessors, um, and also so much more interesting because the um, the ways those, the way those different sectors link together are very complicated and multifaceted, um, lead us to all sorts of interesting questions about how we spend our resource um, uh, in you know in an age where we don't have an unlimited kind of money tree. Um, and there's some, as a result of that, some very uncomfortable questions for universities, which are the, by far the most expensive part of the post compulsory education system. Um, and compared, compared particularly to, as it does repeatedly in review against further education colleges, um, they don't come out very well because they're spending, um, as Orger would argue, uh, too much money on subjects that don't need it, um, that don't have good enough outcomes. Where further education colleges are being pushed to the pushed to the brink. So that's obviously a very big challenge to universities, but I think also makes the overall um, policy analysis and, and the recommendations to underpin it so much more powerful. There's a lot more to say about all those different issues and we'll get into some of them today um, and plenty more flowing through the site uh, as we speak.
0: I wonder if... Um i mean the, the you know the immediate response from 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 universities is is will be focused on um sort of financial penalty of auger and about the impact on on teaching learning and research um and the Augur review is quite clear that uh it, it uh, the panel has kind of accepted the uh, latest report of the ofs on the financial uh, health of the sector which which broadly says that the majority of universities are in reasonably good financial health of course that does rather gloss over the the handful um of universities who are not in great financial health and also the uh, issues around rising costs uh, of pensions and it's, I think it's interesting that the panel says oh well there will be um, universities will be able to recruit more students um, to to address the costs of uh, you know to address increasing costs um, and, and, and make, make up the difference um, and I suspect that inside the sector it will not be that will not you know that that will not be seen as a kind of legitimate way of, of making up the difference.
1: Well I think we have to remember where this report came from as uh, Mark uh, hinted at at the top it is an It uh, started off as an announceable. It was a thing that uh, could be announced to prove that the government was taking action on something. And the announceable in question was uh, that the uh, Labour offer on fees in the 2017 election was meant to be particularly attractive to young people. But uh, despite this, um, it seems like they have accidentally uh, done a pretty sensible review of some of the worst problems of the uh, current system and support and um, have come up with uh, sensible uh, solutions. I don't think anyone was expecting much from the OG report. Um, I think it's surpassed a lot of people's expectations. Uh, I mean, Debbie and Mark have, uh, both mentioned the uh, supposed bombshell on uh, uh, subject costs, of course, uh, track T and subject facts calculations vary, uh, both by institution and by subject. Uh, that uh, data is not actually, uh, public, but I feel like there's a lot, lot more in this than, uh, we've got so far from the, uh, review and f- from all of the, re- the stuff that has been released alongside it.
3: Um, well, I, I've just come from the launch of the report this morning, um, where Theresa May, May spoke about it. Uh, the launch this morning was, was absolutely bedlam, partly because... I think it kept it as a bit of a secret that Theresa May was was kind of pop along. We knew that Philip Borger and Damien Hines were going to speak. Um, uh, Damien Hines uh, was was kind of uh, oddly breezy and light, uh, sort of introducing the whole thing, but without really, without really saying anything. Um, but it was absolutely bedlam because um, it's a hot day here in London and uh, this was a meeting room of policy exchange. The think tank in Westminster um, and they'd invited pretty much the entire sector along with the national media, not only kind of print journalists but also uh, camera crews um, and sound and and all kinds of things um, crammed into, as I say, the policy exchange meeting room which uh, for kind of aficionados of of meeting rooms um, in Westminster is is kind of a classic of of the genre um, in its kind of pokiness, uh, general air conditioning or lack of um, and uh, suspended ceilings. Um, so you've got basically uh, more than half the people standing up around the back and the sides. Oh, also about 200 officials in DFE. It looked like to me, all all in suits. Um, <laughs> some some of which worked on Augur, some of which were kind of part of all the different ministers' entourage. Because Chris Goodmore was also there, um, and of course then you mm-hmm. had uh, you had panel members uh, Edward Peck and Alison Wolf in in the front row. Um, but yeah, it was it was it was Bedlam and what was kind of funny to me was the uh, the policy exchange uh, toilets are kind of just off the kind of off the open plan office. Um and you you've got to kind of walk through the the sort of the stage in the, as I say stage in the kind of lightest possible sense, stage in the meeting room um, and in, into the kind of the policy exchange open plan office area to kind of get to the toilets. Um and that really between the meeting room, the open plan office area and the toilets, it's kind of really the only space there is at Policy Exchange in Westminster, as you'd probably kind of imagine for a, for a think tank. Um, well, that was quite a funny moment where I arrived about 20 minutes early uh, notice that, obviously, the place is heaving already, um, pop, my, pop off to the facilities uh, to find Damien Hines and Philip Auger deep in conversation, uh, because the only place available to them is literally outside the loo. Um, and then I walk back into my seat. I obviously didn't listen to what they were saying, uh, and they kind of uh, looked away sharply as I, as I walked past. Um, I walk back, walk back to my seat as the event starts to kick off, and... Then some officials are kind of hushing around and moving some moving some things, and there's some kind of a general hush emerges. And David Goodhart's there, and um, all sorts of all sorts of grand people. Uh, and then um, Theresa May walked out of the door. I'd just come through, and I'd just been in this other part of the office where there is some desks. <laughs> some, some honestly, there are some desks that belong to I guess you know people that work for Policy Exchange, and like, the kitchen area, kitchenette area, and the loos. And I'm like. Was Theresa May hiding in the? Hiding in the loo- I think she was, she was hiding in the fridge, or she was hiding in the loo, for like dramatic effect. Because Surprise. I have no idea where she came from. Because um, I, <laughs> yeah. it was a very odd moment for anyone, um, anyone in the room, particularly as we didn't expect Theresa May to be at this event. So it was like a kind of double magic trick. Like not only is Theresa May here, um, but she's also she's been hiding all along. <laughs> Um, I, I wonder if kind of the number 10 kind of like advanced team have these kind of special ways of sweeping them in and out of the building so that you don't know you can't kind of see them come and go or there's perhaps there's a secret tunnel from policy exchange to number 10 that is obviously not visible to, to mere mortals uh, like me but whatever the explanation uh, it was surreal and um, and it was clear that uh, she was situating this as part of, of her dealing with the kind of the burning injustices she mentioned again. That's her, that's her line, the burning injustices in society that she wants to deal with. But, um, you know, by I think most objective measures uh, really hasn't because she's only been focused on um, on Brexit. And. Um, and, I, and she was asked whether this kind of ties the hands of um, of future you know future leader of the Tory party um which a question she kind of ducked i don't think it I don't think it does. Um, because they can take or leave it um, it's certainly an absolutely critical pillar of the spending review negotiations um, that the Department for Education will be taken taking forward and now it will, will matter greatly who the Secretary of State and and universities minister are uh, when the new Troy leader takes over um, in, in, in this July um, because they will look at this and probably want to push up or down um, the various different levers here they might be slightly more Disposed to um, the big boost to FE funding that is recommended here, um, and less disposed to um, the cuts to universities, um, or, or vice versa. So. Um it's it probably going to. It's going to come down to those uh, both the negotiations and also the kind of the political views of um, of our next set of ministers. Um if if Damien Hines and Chris Goodmore stay, um, I think Hines here being being kind of the key person in all this, it's pretty clear where he stands on this, and he's he's, paint, he's put his um, colours against the mast uh, quite quite strongly when it comes to um, the cost of uh, delivery inside universities. He wants to see. Um, the OFS target, um, its teaching grants, um uh, towards uh, what he calls high quality subjects, um, the question really being then in that in that negotiation, how much the Treasury sees this as a, um, as, a as a as a appropriate way of driving efficiency in the system, uh, and whether or not it's enough for them to be able to top up the teaching grant with um, with uh, with more funds. And again, that that's going kind to of come down to who the Chancellor of Exchequer is, largely. So, um, some some big big questions, and a lot depends on on the ministerial team that we're going to be getting. Um, in July. But this this sets hairs running on so many levels. And I, I think no matter what happens politically in the next six months or so, I, I think there's a huge amount of really interesting ideas packed in the org review for us to take away and, and debate as a sector. And a lot of it does actually push responsibility to universities to deal with, um, not not just government. Um, for example, it, it, it says, well, yes, pension costs are going up, um, but if you, sort, if you get your house in order so that you can recruit more students when the demographics start booming again, then that should be fine.
0: There's a... Kind of, there's a there's a wing of the Tory party, and I think I think sort of represented by by Joe Johnson and, and Sam Jima, and um, who have the sort of legitimate criticism that uh, a headline cut to the fees is is basically kind of damaging the university sector, but they are using that position you know, on the sort of full, full political knowledge that it will be very challenging for the sector to make the case on an ongoing basis, you know, sort of not just from 2021-22 but kind of 10 years in the future, that the, um, that the difference should be made up from, from taxpayer funds. Um, but they're using that as a kind of platform to say, oh, well, the Ogre review is a waste of time, the Ogre review is not um, uh, something that we should pay attention to and they're sort of trying to kind of sweep it under the carpet with a view to, you know, the next uh, leader, of the, leader of the party and prime minister kind of sort of just moving on and, and burying it as part of, part of Theresa May's kind of slightly uh, tarnished legacy. Um, And I think that would be really sad, actually, for for some of the same reasons that that, that Mark's talked about, particularly because it's the real um, consensus built around the necessity of boosting and developing and repositioning further education um, as part of a a post compulsory sector that meets the needs of everybody. And I think one of the kind of most uh, killer kind of points that the report makes is that although the number of and proportion of university students has been going pretty steadily upwards, the overall numbers of people in the general population studying at post-18 has been going downward since 2010, and that's something that any leader is going to have to address in the future.
1: Um, I just wanted to mention the responses from the two uh, previous universities ministers, which I think are interesting and, and instructive. So Joe Johnson has said, looks like ORGOT, as predicted, will destabilise uni finances, imperil many courses and reverse projects from widening access. Reducing fees to 7.5k will leave a funding hail, which... Uh, a funding hole, sorry, which the Treasury won't fill and benefit only the highest earning graduates at the expense of general taxpayer, bad policy, bad politics. Um, in normal times, that would be a bit of a shocker coming from um, a prominent uh, uh, backbencher, but this is uh 2019, so we let that one pass. Uh, Sam Gima has said... Um, there's a big debate to be had on H.E., which is precisely why a headline-grabbing approach to reform is wrong-headed. There is precedent for a new administration to publish a review commissioned by a previous one. Um, authority to build consensus is key so um amongst the those in our government that it could fairly be said know the sector there's not a lot of love for this review which i think um in terms of implementing what it says is going to make things very difficult for a, um, a government already struggling to pass any kind of legislation
2: Mark, you were uh, at the review. Um, you probably have more thoughts on this. How was it? How, how was that? Um, um, well, I, a,
3: I was chatting to a, to a number of different um, number of different panel members, and and, and just just adding to uh, DK's point. I mean, consensus is going to be very difficult to be built. But what I think this report has done um, is is ma- it, it's made it impossible to dismiss it out of hand. So there's a lot to criticise. There's a lot of challenge. But what I think. Is, is, is kind of the triumph of policymaking here is that it's so serious and detailed and comprehensive that all those people that want it to be dead on arrival um, dismiss it as Theresa May's education funding policy review or whatever – are basically out of luck because it's basically too high quality piece of work and I was chatting to different members of the of the orca panel um, this morning and they they kind of backed up that that was a huge part of um, that was that was basically intentional because given the political volatility at the moment they knew there's a huge risk about what what's going to happen to it um, so the best they could do was put out something that was you know really really high quality that made it very very difficult and awkward for literally anyone to say well, this is nonsense. It can't be done. You know, just basically, basically dismiss it. So it won't be dismissed. Whether or not we'll, you know, we'll more manage to build um, uh, a true consensus around it remains to be seen. And I, I think that the sector reaction that builds uh, over the next few months is going to be really, really um, important to, to watch because, um, in the spirit of the review, if it's simply, you know, sector versus pitted against sector, um, you know, that will be that. I don't think that will find much favour in, in Whitehall. What the review captures is a sense that um, different parts of the post compulsory education system need to work together much more closely. And I think it would be a mistake, whether you're sitting in universities or in FE or in some other part of it, to say, no, I'm just going to try and protect my little slice of the pie. Because what I think Augur August does is is point to an era where that's no longer politically fashionable,
2: Next up, one of the new policy ideas in the document focuses on getting more students to study higher technical qualifications and proposes a lifelong learning loan allowance to be used at higher technical and degree level at any stage of an adult's career for full and part-time students. So, Debbie, what did you make of this recommendation? Well,
0: what I find really interesting about the basis, I mean, there's so much in the report about uh, growth in in, in level four and five and and some some of the stuff that we were expecting, but the Premise on which a lot of this analysis and recommendations is based is that the market, market doesn't work uh, in, in, in higher education and, or indeed for further education. And uh, one of the kind of core principles of the review is, is that the market acting alone cannot be trusted to deliver policy outcomes. And if you think that, I mean, there are some who would say that the marketization of higher education has been going on for kind of you know, two decades, but you know, it, it really t- it took off, I think, with the, uh, with the coalition and, and um, the 2011 White Paper and, and the kind of David Willett's agenda to you know have student choice driving driving quality in the system um and i mean this is really this is a you know if if this premise is accepted, you've got sort of a mere decade of, of kind of radical marketisation before before you've got the uh, sort of one hundred eighty degree turn to say, well, actually, this this is a problem, and there there is a role for government. So some of the things that the panel believes that the market has delivered or failed to deliver, uh, one is skill shortages. Um, that there are there are kind of skill areas in the economy that are uh, where where needs are not being met. So we're not kind of students may be choosing, but they're not choosing the sorts of uh, qualifications that are actually going to address uh, economic need. Um, another is is that the panel accepts the idea that there's too many graduates. Um, at level six and above, so uh, and and kind of accepts the I think quite contested evidence around uh, the over, the you know the, uh, what what's often referred to as overeducation um, that people are, are, are too skilled for, for the sorts of jobs they're doing. And I think I mean that that evidence you know could all, can always be added to, but that, that's 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 sort of where the premise is. Um, and and something that we, we referred to earlier, which is that the you know the overall decline in post-18 education. So um, people who sort of stop at level three or who who never even quite make it to level three, and then therefore have no kind of obvious access to, to higher-level skills at all. Um, and and uh, the other kind of impact, which is is that courses that cost less to deliver tend to proliferate, whether or not they are of value to the economy. And this, of course, is really, really contentious because, um, you know, so basically, the kind of the review goes as, so almost so far as to say, well, yes, we have business courses in business, social studies, creative arts. Yes, we need some of those sorts of courses, but we don't think that we need as many as are, as are currently uh, being taken up. And we think that we need more courses in uh, physical sciences, engineering, sort of, sort of STEM, uh, high value subjects. And I say all this sort of heavily caveated because this is a really, really strong value judgment. Um, and although there's some evidence around, you know, it, it's, all, it's, it's based on evidence and it's based on, on the views of stakeholders, it, it's going to be incredibly contentious. But the uh, recommendations are focused on Uh, developing uh, a much more flexible um, and accessible way into uh, higher level skills focused on the accumulation of credit at level four and five, which could then obviously be then kind of taken forward to level six if that was appropriate, but wouldn't need to be. So there's kind of a few elements of this. One is that uh, this lifelong learning loan alliance, would uh, students would be able to you know, do maybe do a year of study, get a level four. They would even be able to do a module, um, and you know, to as as part of CPD, and, and they wouldn't be obliged to sign up for a full three-year course, uh, a level six, in order to to take on these sorts of things. And there would be an expectation. It's not clear to me exactly how this would be implemented, but there would be an expectation that for students that were studying, uh, to pursue uh, anything above level four, that they would still be issued with a certificate or some kind of recognition of their of their uh, trajectory at level four and five. Um, and for those who aren't. Uh, familiar in depth with the framework for higher education qualifications, level four is equivalent to about one year of higher education and level five to two years. Um, and all of this, I mean, the other point that's made is that currently there's different kinds of level four and five qualifications. So there's HE certs, there's um, HNDs, uh, higher education diplomas, foundation degrees, um, and then there's a whole bunch of other sorts of things that aren't, uh, that are sort of less, less, more commonly delivered in further education colleges that tend to be validated by uh, bodies like city and guilds, and they're, they're sort of different again. And the proposal is, is that the Office for Students should. Uh, have oversight of all level 4 and 5 all higher level uh, qualifications and that they uh, there, sh- there should be some kind of um Reconciling or, or kite marking of the kind of of the ones that are of of high value, so that it's easier to navigate. Um, and this would really go quite a long way to addressing some issues around uh, credit tr- credit transferability, um, access to uh, higher education for part time and mature students. Uh, it would it would be really quite really quite uh, transformative potentially if it can be made to work.
1: Um, I think a lot of the recommendations um, have the underlying um, idea that we are going to get back to looking at. Um, qualifications and study that has value to the wider economy as determined uh, by the government via some kind of industrial uh, strategy. So, I mean, whereas um, attention paid to ideas of uh, retraining and upskilling is long overdue, I think it remains to be seen uh, what kind of retraining and upskilling is uh, going to be explicitly supported by the government and um, what other kinds of retraining and upskilling will sit outside of that um, so it does feel like there's um we've got uh half of the answer
3: and we're kind of waiting for the other half this is the kind of stuff that's always really challenging to universities because it not only situates them as, as part of the, the kind of the wider tertiary landscape um but but it directly puts them alongside different types of providers. Uh, and the Orgo review kind of talks about kind of on-ramps and off-ramps and, and the way that um, you might, for example, uh, if, you, if you don't complete a, f- a full-time undergraduate degree, you might be able to leave with um, a level four qualification perhaps um, uh, that the university could award even. I mean, this is the kind of stuff that, that really starts to to kind of chop up the the landscape, but in a way that will lead potentially to lots of really really great outcomes if 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 it can be made to work, as Debbie says. Um, but it, it it also this it goes far beyond government policymaking. It, it would take a huge sea change in um, universities' approach to working um, as, as part of that of that tertiary landscape with other kinds of providers um, kind of encroaching on on their turf in traditional ways, but might actually deliver some more interesting kinds of opportunities for for students.
2: Next up we talk about student finance but before we get into that I want to tell you about the Wonky Daily, our daily email briefing to keep you up to date with everything that's going on in higher education. It's delivered to your inbox at 8am every day and you'll get all the essential information and analysis that you need in one place helping you navigate all the twists and turns going on in higher education policy. And of all weeks in higher education policy this is the one you need to keep bang up to date with, understand the implications of the post-18 funding review what it means for you and what it means for your institution. You can sign up for a 30-day free trial of our briefing service just email us on briefing at wonky.com that's briefing at wonky.com or you can visit the website wonky.com forward slash plus right next up we're looking at what the review panel has to say about student finance including fee loans and maintenance for students living costs dk would you mind giving us an overview of this one please
1: absolutely so this um contained i think the biggest genuine surprise of the whole uh Review which is um, a recommendation that would affect existing students and um, existing uh, graduates that are repaying their loan uh, the review recommends that uh, your uh, contributions repayment so that were uh, your lifetime repayments are capped at one point two times the initial loan amount in real terms so uh, the review is um, recommending this will happen for everybody. And this will, uh, be broadly speaking, a progressive measure. It will affect graduates who earn less over their career. So are more likely to be repaying for longer. This sounds like uh, bad news, but, uh, for, uh, future students and future graduates, there's also some uh, bad news to go alongside it. The, um, length of repayment is extended from 30 to 40 years, meaning as was on the front page of, uh, Several papers this morning, um, that graduates could be paying back their student loans well into their sixties. And, uh, the repayment threshold is going down in real terms. So there is a reduction. If it happened now, it would go down from 25k as it currently sits to 23k, which is round about the average income of an, um, a nun, uh, graduate of a similar age range as graduates um so that's actually not going to happen until 2021 22 uh that will take the form of a um a freeze so the repayment threshold will sit at the same level until then by which point it will be worse the same as what uh 23 uh, as what 23k is now so this um might sound like a little bit of a, a bad deal there's a little bit of an extra silver lining in that the uh real in study interest so the fact that you're uh, paying interest at the highest available rate while you are studying interest is accruing on your loan that will go um so uh the loan balances will track Inflation only, they will not include the commercial range of interest. Uh, So this is um, in terms of fee loans particularly, but also uh, the the overwhelming majority of graduates will also have uh, maintenance loans. Um, And we're interested to hear what happens to them. So the the recommendation is to uh, restore grants. Uh, to at least £3,000 a year for socioeconomically disadvantaged students. Uh, the, the, uh, uh recommendation is uh, that they do some more work on what a socioeconomically disadvantaged student actually is. It's not going to be linked to polar or just to parental income. It will be a range of measures, a basket of measures, if you will. Um, they're, doing some little bits and pieces about uh, the, the uh, uh, maximum maintenance support. Uh, this is going to be set in line with the national uh, minimum wage. They actually use that uh, terminology rather than the national living wage, which is interesting for people who follow such things. Uh, so that's the national minimum wage of age 21 24 on the basis of 37.5 hours a week and 30 weeks a year. So that is... Um, uh, that suggests that the uh, uh, maintenance um, on offer will be equivalent to the absolute uh, minimum that uh, the government thinks a person can survive on during that time. That is a slight cut, I think, from where it is uh, currently, which is something that obviously is not made much of in the review itself so, why have they come up with all this? Um, well, they did a couple of surveys. One survey of um, current students, prospective students and graduates, and one, students are, and one survey of the general public and the parents of prospective students. Um and these two surveys which have just been published alongside the report, along with a bunch of other stuff, have had a huge impact on the way these recommendations have been set up. Uh one of the general public in particular has got a quite a small value for N, a little over a thousand, and included only one hundred and thirty one um parents of prospective student, which strikes me as a little bit
3: low.
2: Mm, indeed. Mark, what did you make of all uh, what did you make of this um
3: well, I, I think it is
2: element of the report
3: it's an interesting um it's an interesting package but it, it what it, it it's kind of good as it, dK um, eloquently describes i think it, it's kind of good in some ways and bad in other ways but also it's still really complicated um, and there's a suggestion that they could rebrand um, the, the schemes call it kind of graduate contribution scheme or something like that, but we're still talking about the same levers moving up and down, um, which leads to the same kinds of misunderstandings about um, how the system works. Um, and this is just kind of moving moving the dials around um, again. in, As I say, it's ways that are good and bad. There are still lots of unknowns there about um, about some of these, and, and I think a lot will come to light over the over the coming days. But for example, um, on on maintenance. Grants. It's, it's not exactly clear. As BK says, they, they don't know which measures, um, it- uh, should be used to to account for the means test um, and it needs further study, but the overall cost of uh, the reform looks kind of worryingly worryingly small so uh, it looks like uh, they're, they're thinking that this would be these would be these return for only the um the very most disadvantaged uh, students, which of course most people would uh, would welcome and that they, they're the people that need most help but um could well be um, a far cry from the um 41% or so that got the full maintenance grant um uh when um it was abolished uh, a number of years ago so um that's going to be a really interesting debate, and 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 kind of speak to probably again the question of what the what ministerial priority will be. You know, do we target our resources on a small number of disadvantaged students, um, or do we try and make a, a sweeping change and and give maintenance grants to as many as many people as possible? Um, as I say, more detail about that will emerge over the coming days. One final point is is that on on back to my point about kind of the the, the complexity is that what I don't think uh, this package does is provide a very neat kind of retail offer in a way that i think the, mo- the most the kind of the most uh the closest cousin to it in, in government reviews i think would be the the diamond review of the welsh he funding system which was which was out last uh was out last year um implement- being implemented now um and that provided a really neat package that students could understand and very very clear completely switched around the system um and provided um a high level of of, of support um the numbers were bold and understandable um, and there was no ambiguity, and there and there wasn't this kind of creeping sense that well we might you know move these move keep moving these dials up and down, which I think as long as we've got this current system looks eminently possible, depending on the overall cost of the system and ministerial priority and and, and other things. So I don't think I think that as I say good in some ways, bad in other ways, but we're left with I think the 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 one of the most fundamental problems with the current system, is that still no one's going to understand it, and the government could well keep changing it.
0: I uh i think what's kind of important to recognize about this is that it's the panel has obviously looked at the uh ruling of the office of national statistics about the way that student loans are treated in the national accounts and the fact that the taxpayer now has a much more visible stake you know that the, the the taxpayer subsidy is is now recognized up front rather than at the back end um you know that's so actually, one of the intentions of this, and I think there's going to be this, this huge tension between the, the urge to provide a retail offer to students to kind of capture back the youth vote, um, not necessarily to out Corbin Corbyn, Corbyn but, to, but to at least kind of uh, send a message that, uh, you know, the, the, the Conservative Party and the future Conservative government wants to, wants to support your, your aspirations. Um, and the wider kind of taxpayer uh, sense of we actually some of the DfE research said, well, yes, we would would actually like students to pay more back in in their own because we think think that's fair and reasonable. So uh, I think that the politics of this will get pretty crunchy pretty quickly. um, And and if if anything sticks around, I can imagine that the the reintroduction of maintenance grants, I mean, nobody can disagree with that. Everyone thinks it's a marvellous idea. But some of the stuff around... um, uh repayments and uh and uh thresholds and stuff is is, is going to kind of roll and roll and probably end up as a as a fudge and of course it's uh no one knows exactly what the system will cost because the methodology for calculating it doesn't exist yet so it could all uh, it could all unravel pretty quickly
1: accommodation costs that we um we've long been seeing a trend of critiques of the sector which say that uh, uh, the costs of actually a student living and uh uh, particularly in renting accommodation, have risen and risen, and the amount of money available to students has not risen to meet this. Um, a long time ago, I asked Sam Gima um, if he felt that maybe we should start actually gathering uh, data on uh, um, accommodation costs at a national level so we could start to understand where the problems were. And he told me, no, it's not really a problem for central government. So it is nice to see that one of the recommendations of uh, the... Orgo review is that the OFS should examine the costs of student accommodation more closely, and work with student providers to improve the quality and consistency of data about costs, rents, profits, and accommodation quality. So that's uh, certainly a fun thing to look forward to for us all.
3: One of the ones that jumped out for me was the uh, the proposal for a minimum um, entry. Uh, Entry requirement. So it have been leaked in the press of the kind of idea that you need three ds to enter university. Now, then, then a couple of days ago was was briefed heavily that this wasn't in the review, but then sort of half is and half isn't. So what what it does is um, it say that says that there's there's kind of a lot of merit in that idea, um, but um, and the government should intervene to do it. Um, basically, if if the sector doesn't get its um, house in order on uh, on admissions, so it's it's sort of not explicitly proposed. But doesn't doesn't kill off the issue by any means, um, and uh, is likely to kind of run and run and run and run. Um- what, also, what we also, um, I guess, pro- probably can't see is um, the actual cost of the proposals. So uh, there's lots of new methodology uh, pending for the, the uh, accounting student loans. Um, lots of decisions to be made about um, the measures we use to do things like give maintenance grants. Um, and although we've got some high level numbers, it's going to take a bit of time um, and a bit of imagination to to fully cost it all up. Um, and, and the review itself... Um, makes that point um towards towards the end. Um obviously we're gonna do our best to make uh, decent judgments about it uh, on on the site and in our analysis, but um harder numbers will, will emerge I I guess in due course, particularly around spending review, which um which I mentioned. Um and I think the the big one um which was the the sort of the kick off Damien Hines' uh, trail of, of auger when it was announced um in February twenty eighteen um made it sound like um, tuition fees were, were definitely going to kind of vary um, and bring back that kind of variability um, in a way that didn't happen after they raised fees to £9,000 and, and kind of create um, a bigger market. Um, Augur basically says that um, the free market doesn't work for universities um, and there are reasons to lower fees Um, but this kind of variable idea remains a fantasy of politicians um, and Orca doesn't really give the ammunition um, to Damien Hines or another Secretary of State to do that. So uh, I think that's super interesting.
0: Well, again, there's this Um, you know, there's a a basis (laughs) for, and this is what I really like about this review, is is that you might not not agree with everything that's recommended, but at least it's grounded in a principle or a piece of evidence or something. And one of of the things that the review says is that students shouldn't pay more so, so you know, all, 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 all students students should basically pay the same because otherwise you get all kinds of sort of silly outcomes with the market because you have people not choosing more expensive courses because they cost more. So if you if you start with the premise that students should be basically pay the same and that no student should pay more than what their cost, course reasonably costs to deliver, which the panel pegs at seven and a half k, again you know, contentious, but, but that's the kind of that's the, the, the argument. Then then that becomes the, the, the fee threshold. Everyone gets charged the same, and um, courses that cost more to deliver get topped up. You know, it's it, it's it's elegant. And it makes sense. It's based based on a principle. Again, whether that's what actually happens in reality and whether the politics kind of comes in to disrupt the the elegant policy solution um, is the thing that will be, I think, hotly debated in the weeks to come
1: um the rumors of um an entry qualification threshold for universities uh they were swirling all the way through the auger uh, build-up and we did do a couple of bits of analysis on the site which you can look at uh the, the review actually commissioned uh ucas to look into this um as uh, we said previously uh there is a correlation between uh lower levels of level three attainment and uh students from disadvantaged uh backgrounds that's the uh, UCAS multiple equality measure. Um, so, uh, broadly, the recommendation is that it's not something they want to put in place at this point because it would be an example, as they say, an example of social engineering and a breach of the concept of fairness uh, that does not fit comfortably within a meritocratic ed- education system, which is pretty strong language. But still, uh, they come back to the idea of targeting number capsule courses offering poor value for money uh which i guess in terms of um retention in terms of graduate earnings uh are both immediately and longer term um and they call for the sector to reform the student recruitment practices so they uh reserve the right for the government by 2022 to to intervene in terms of a contextualized minimum entry threshold, a selective numbers cap, or a combination of uh, um, uh, uh, both. So even though they've not put the cap on yet, uh, they reserve the right to either do a numbers cap or to uh, have a, a minimum entry threshold for... He, which is something where i expect to see a lot of lobbying activity to take place
3: i think that um what auger does is start a huge conversation about the post-18 education landscape and universities' role in it i think that um it'll be thought of as a hugely seminal piece of work in, in that context um my prediction is that a number of the recommendations will get adopted as government policy and implemented in some way over the next few years particularly the things around um, fees funding maintenance and and FE Um, and um, it does obviously depend a lot on, on on how the political situation emerges but even if lots isn't immediately implemented um, I think we're in for. Um, I, I think what I think Orga reframes the debate in such a way that should lead us to. Um, a much more rounded and holistic conversation about um, what universities do and how they do it, and I, I welcome.
0: We should remember, though, that no uh, no independent review commissioned by government has ever actually been implemented. So Deering recommended one thing, and Labour implemented another. Likewise with Brown. So um, uh, you know, if if uh, if you're putting money on it, I would certainly not put money on the Augur review being implemented as proposed, because that's just not uh, how it works. As Labour,
3: Labour implemented a lot of Deering, though, and I think future government will implement Eventually. lots of auger um i'd, I'd be I'd, I'd, it's clearly not going to be taken kind of completely in the round but um i'd be amazed if different bits of it don't end up in in policy every next couple of years
1: but that's actually the advantage of this review i, I mean every other review that we have mentioned i mean brown uh, deering even back to uh, uh, uh robbins um it was set out as a complete set of recommendations that have to be implemented together. I mean, we've seen this more recently in Wales with Diamond. Um, and this review uh, uh, doesn't say that. It's uh, kind of um, a pick-and-mix review that there are a number of clear problems with the current system. This review sets up a number of ways to address them, but it doesn't say you have to do all of them to make it uh, make sense overall. I think it will be seen, a longer term as a sensible review and as one that uh, tidied up a lot of problems with the uh, Higher Education and Research Act that we pointed out at the time. But it will not be seen as um, a visionary review. It will not be seen as something that makes a lasting, uh, radical, long-term change to the sector and I think that's fair enough because to uh, uh, paraphrase uh, Wisniel and I we've kind of reviewed the post-18 system uh, by accident Um, it was never really planned as a proper uh, overarching review I think that what we've got is great but it was never really meant to hang together as a um, a single uh, set of uh, uh, proposals. Uh, I think he has, and in quite a wonderful fashion, I think he's given us a a lot to chew over, a lot to talk about. But if you think uh, back to this being um, um, a a fig leaf... For uh, uh, Theresa May and the Conservative government to prove that they were doing something about all those uh, students and young graduates that have uh, voted for Corbyn. Um, it's the, done a lot more than that.
2: We've just had news that Theresa May has made her way to the Oval to watch the cricket directly after the Auger Review. So on that bombshell, that is about it for this week. To delve deeper into anything we've discussed today, you'll find the links in the show notes. And don't forget, you can subscribe to this podcast automatically. Just search for The Wonky Show via iTunes or your favourite Android podcast directory. Or you can find the feed that you need on wonky.com forward slash podcast. If you fancy appearing on a guest of The Wonky... (laughs) as If you fancy appearing as a guest on The Wonky Show, do drop us an email on team at wonky.com and we will be in touch. So thanks to Debbie, to DK, and to Mark and everyone at Team Wonky for making this and the reams of auger analysis that's happening. Keep an eye on the site in the days and weeks to come because we're just getting started. And until next week, stay in review.
0: Support comes from ServiceNow